0: Hello and welcome back to Shellyville. My name is Michelle Clear and I have my lovely host today with me, my co-host, Justin Rutowski. He is my producer and has kind of talked me into this YouTube thing, which I actually like. Um, I just got great responses from my last YouTube podcast, and I'm really excited to keep this going. For those of you who don't know me, I am a licensed professional counselor. I have been for the last 11 or so years, and so my podcast, Shellyville, is a little bit about that experience as well as what I have personally. So today we're going to talk about a subject that's pretty important to me. It's actually, I think, more than 50% of my caseload is based off of this disorder, And of course, we did Last Anxiety last week, so we're going to do depression today. And when we talk about depression, we all have a little bit of experience with it. I mean, it's not just about being sad. So, Justin, I wanted to talk to you. um, One of the questions I really wanted to ask is, when you hear the word depression, what are some of the first thoughts that you have when you hear someone says, oh, I'm depressed?
1: Um, For me, as a... So, I'll, I'll do it in two parts. So, for somebody who, like... Coming from a background that didn't really have it, um, most of the time when I heard somebody was depressed, I I was thinking that it was, you know, you're just sad, so don't stop being sad. Um, Having learned more about it and been around people that have been affected by it, it's obviously a little bit more complex than that. Mm -hmm. Um, But my, when I, like initially when you hear depression, you just think sad.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. But you're right, it's so much more than just feeling sad, Mm -hmm. because it's this continuous mood of sadness. It's uh, feeling empty. And the big one that I get a lot is the hopelessness. A lot of people just feel like there's no hope in living. There's no hope in doing what they want to do. They don't feel good. What really makes depression complex is that there's, again, a lot of things that go into it. You have to feel um, not only just feeling sad because something bad happened, but feeling sad just because you woke up and you just don't like who you are. It's mm-hmm. like you literally lose pieces of yourself. Um, and lo- a lot of lack of interest, lack of joy, lack of, you know, sex, love, interest, like the whole thing. Everything just disappears. And it's kind of like I described for Jackson. It's like waking up on a cloud, darky, dark, rainy day. But with a lot of people, they also get insomnia. Or they sleep too much. So if you find some of your friends that just like social withdrawal, just don't want to hang out with you anymore, just don't want to go and do anything. Those people really also are suffering from depression because depression not only takes away your lack and interest in things, it also takes away this this energy. Like so many of my clients complain about fatigue And so when you're working with a lot of people that are either tired, not feeling good about themselves, I always have to ask them to get a medical review. Like, go see a doctor because sometimes depression can be part of a medical illness. And so as a therapist, it's really hard to figure out what area I'm going to help a client get better in if I don't know all the pieces.
1: What would be an example of a medical condition that could potentially cause that?
0: Any kind of immune disorder, any kind of cancer, any kind of, even like with COVID. Mm-hmm. I mean, a lot of people got depressed with COVID. So it, or just say you got a medical um I know as a personal story, my ex-husband had a medical condition that changed his personality. Mm. Like he really got depressed because he couldn't do the same things he could before. So there are certain medical degrees or diseases that you can get that can change your personality, that can make you feel sick to your stomach, can make you feel like, you know, you're sick, just in in general but what people don't understand about depression is that a real depression is not going to be just situational like in that mm-hmm. moment i can understand why you don't feel good yeah and that you know and a lot of times people think oh i just don't feel good but i'm not really depressed and i have so many people in denial mm-hmm. like Everybody wants to be in denial about depression. Nobody wants to admit that, hey, wait a minute, I really feel like crap or I don't like myself or I'm not comfortable with who I am. So when you, um, like, have you ever met anybody that's been really severely depressed? You you don't know anybody like that? No,
1: I do. I do.
0: So you feel when you meet that person or talk to that person, there is an element of social withdrawal?
1: Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. and and this person who shall remain nameless um, is somebody I've known for a while, and it was very odd and while it was untreated mm-hmm. because it was just like you have no reason to not be enthusiastic or happy or like mm-hmm. you know you have a very like you have you know, you have a good family structure. You have, you know, all of your basic needs are met. You're like, so to me, so at first to me, it was like, it was, it's confusing because you like, (laughs) you know, and very similar situations that Mm -hmm. me and this other person had. And it was just like, okay, like you're, you're sad and there's no reason to be sad. so.
0: And, and I will tell you from my own personal experience, when I had depression like that, I literally loved myself one day and hated myself the next. Mm-hmm. I literally woke up and said, this is not the life I want. I don't want to be here. I don't want these kids. I don't want this house. I don't want anything. I stopped shopping. I stopped going out with my friends. I was really involved with my kids' school, and I withdrew. And everyone, like the rumor was that I had cancer mm-hmm. because cancer was easier for people to understand than, oh, she's just depressed.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, it was ridiculous that I had to withdraw to such a level that there was a rumor about me. But that's what depression is. It literally takes you out of your life. It takes you away from the things that you're used to doing. It takes you away from the things that you care about. And that's what makes, I think, treating di- <laughs> diagnosing it and treating it are really tough. Like depression for me is one of the hardest things that I have to deal with in my work as a therapist. And the reason why is because it's very complex. I can fix a little bit of it, but medicine fixes a lot more of it. And it's hard to teach people that they actually need this antidepressant. Now, I'm not supposed to push medicine because I'm a therapist, right? Mm -hmm. But I know a lot of it from my own personal experience and what I've dealt with with my son's depression and how antidepressants have sometimes worked. And sometimes not worked, so it's really complex when people start taking medicine. but you said something that you noticed the difference between the treatment mm-hmm. so the antidepressant really brought that person back
1: um it was a It was a very long road to recovery mm-hmm. um, and it was and honestly it seemed like a little bit of trial and error, especially on the medication side mm-hmm. um, okay. and there's yeah. multiple things going on as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was, and I'm, and I'm trying to jog my memory, but it was a learning experience for everyone. And I think that, um, and honestly it took, um, I, I think the denial thing was very much a thing, not just for the person affected, but for those, um, close to that person. And it was, Mm -hmm. you know, it, it just seemed like there was um, there's almost a funk or a fog around the idea that this this person needed to take pills just to be happy oh,
0: that is the biggest issue I have with clients and their families Well my mom says I can't or it's mm-hmm. not you know medicine's not
1: for sure can't how do you tackle something like that
0: Oh a lot of education mm-hmm. um, I really believe that, A lot of that scared about medicine is just the horror stories that they hear. You know, literally, we just have to educate. You have to educate people. Um, and, And really what I tell everyone is like you would not deny medicine to someone who had cancer, or diabetes. And why can't we look at depression as just another medical disorder that actually can be treated through medicine? Mm -hmm. So the fact that it's a mental illness, it gets such a bad rap, but the reality is it has physical symptoms. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have people that don't sleep. I have people that can't eat. I have people that don't function, have no motivation, can't get out of bed. There's no self-care. Like how can... A medicine go in and intervene with that and be denied, like that has always been so hard for me to understand when I have to really fight against families. Um, I actually stopped seeing teenagers because I was tired of fighting with parents who just didn't think there was anything wrong with their kids and they weren't going to treat them. hmm Like, no, you can just get better through talk medicine. Well, you know what? You actually can get better through talk medicine, but when you have medication and the right amount of medication, you actually can heal a lot faster. So I just tell everybody, yes, you can recover from depression, but it will take you uh, it will. you'll get through it a little bit faster if you're taking some kind of antidepressant. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, I have the moms call me like, well, which one? <laughs> I really don't know.
2: Yeah.
1: Not <laughs> in my wheelhouse.
0: <laughs> Can't tell you. I'm not going to tell you that I've been on Prozac for the last 20 years, but hey, you pick which <laughs> one you like. I mean, I literally was on Prozac for 23 years, and when I moved to Grand Rapids, I just... I'd stop taking it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And what's been so bizarre, and I will go back to it, if I, if my nightmares, because I have really bad nightmares, and that's why I was on Prozac, but I was also on it because I was extremely irritable. Mm-hmm. Like, people forget that anger and irritability is a sign of depression,
2: mm-hmm.
0: but it's a socially acceptable sign. Yeah. Like, I can handle you being angry, but I don't want to see you sad. Mm-hmm. Like, it's okay for you to yell out your window and, you know, honk at someone, but I don't want to see you crying in your car. Mm. So we're such a weird society like that because it's like, it's okay for you to be irritable.
1: Well, you just, you just touched on something that I want to dive into a little bit. And I think there are very different ways that men and women experience depression.
0: Absolutely. So talk a
1: little bit about that.
0: Okay. A man will be more socially withdrawn. And they have a harder time with their pride because there's something about a man feeling like he always has to be strong. And what you said earlier about, you know, well, you have this great life. We we're so judgmental.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: We're so judging people based on what we think they have or what they're supposed to have or how they're supposed to be treating other people that we forget that we're all human and we come with all these variety of emotions. So for men... My biggest thing is getting past the denial and then allowing them to sit with their emotions. Because what I find, a lot of my males are angry. Like that is how they display their anger. Where more of my females tend to be socially withdrawn and have a lot more negative self-talk. Like a man's not going to beat himself up so much about his self-esteem as much as a woman will. So to me, that's kind of the difference between the two of them. Mm -hmm. Those are the visual differences. But again, every person I've treated with depression has been unique. Like it's not a blanket statement. It's been really unique. It's very individualized. Even though there's like this whole list of things that we kind of check off. You know, the hopelessness, the lack of interest, the sadness that continues. All of those symptoms are kind of universal, but how each person carries that is very different. Mm -hmm. So um, for me, as a therapist, it's finding which avenue that's going to work. But really, at the core of everything, and I'm telling you, I've been a therapist for 10 years, and I honestly am going to stand behind this. The core of every mental illness has one thing in common, and that is how we communicate with ourselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: What you say to yourself on a daily, because you're always having that internal conversation, that daily conversation determines whether or not you're going to wake up in a good mood or a bad mood. It is attitude. It is and I know this because I suffered from it. Mm-hmm. Like I literally had no, <laughs> I li- literally woke up and hated my life. I'm like, what in the hell? Yeah. Like I loved it yesterday. And today, if I even see my kids, I'm going to get hurt. Like mm-hmm. it was horrible. So I know that there's this change that happens with our dialogue. So getting back to that internal conversation that's nice again, that's a really big part. And that's what medicine does. It kind of just makes that, Like it buffers it a little bit, makes it a little bit easier. Uh,
1: On that topic, um, if you're listening and interested in reading up a little bit on this, this is, you know, Michelle's professional advice. I am a comedic anecdote, (laughs) but I have read a couple books on this topic. One is more of a, in this in the secular space and one is more in a biblical space but there's a uh, there's a book called hung by the tongue which kind mm-hmm. of resides more in the um in the spiritual biblical sphere and then one on the on this uh, more secular sphere is um what to say when you talk to yourself oh, yeah. um those are the, both older books but they're really good reads and um based on what you said if all mel- mental illness kind of boils down to that one thing um, those, you know, those are two good resources to have. Thank, um
0: thank you for sharing. Those yeah. are really good resources. I'll put, I'll put
1: links to those in the description. So
0: excellent. Excellent. Yeah, because really what I've been doing for years is sh- sharing about the same. I like I have my my books that I I use, but a lot of times people when you and here's another thing about depression. When you have severe depression, you do not have the ability to read. Mm-hmm. Like you are so foggy mind and you are so Um, your motivation is gone, your concentration is gone, your ability to just sit and read. I knew for me, I was just like glancing at pictures in a magazine. I couldn't really read. Mm -hmm. It takes a long time to get that fuzzy fog out of the brain when you have severe depression. So there's probably audio um, books. i Affirmations, things that that you can do that are auditorial, Mm -hmm. because a lot of times reading when you're severely depressed is almost impossible. Mm -hmm. But you know what, the one piece that we haven't talked about yet? Hmm. Communication with family. Okay. I think the biggest piece to help someone with depression is having someone to talk to daily. Okay. So I always tell my clients even though you see me once a week, You have to talk to someone every single day. The biggest piece about bringing people back around and out of depression is the connection that we have with other human beings. But what we said earlier is how society judges us. We're so conditioned to always be in a good mood that I have so many people say, well, I don't talk to anybody because I don't want to complain. I don't want to be a burden. I don't want anyone to know how I'm feeling. I don't want anyone to know. And we're so ashamed of just our own emotions. So I really push that part because I think if you have someone to talk to every day, you can literally share your burden. It's not that you need that person to fix it for you. And I think that happens a lot in relationships. Like you said, even the denial of seeing someone that you love be depressed. Mm-hmm. It's like, wait a minute. how am I, I don't want you to tell me any more about it. Mm-hmm. But we have to, we have to be okay with people saying I'm in a really bad mood Mm -hmm. or I hurt today or you know what? My depression was so bad. I I didn't, I got out of bed to go to the bathroom, but I forgot to eat. Mm -hmm. Like, can I get you something? Do you need something? Do you want to sit and watch TV with me? Because here's the thing. I have a lot of clients that stay in their bedrooms. I mean, that's how bad the isolation is. They stay Mm -hmm. in their bedrooms. I tell them, you know what? It's okay if you want to stay in your bedroom. But invite your family into the bed, (laughs) like, Mm -hmm. you know, sit around, have them bring their homework in and do homework next to you. Or if you're tired of isolating, get out on the couch. Go sit in the living room. Be around people because it there's something about the connection, the human connection, that really does help depression. And so that's kind of one of the areas that I tell people to do, like really work on that. Mm-hmm. Um, especially like what you said, it would be great to have these resources, but you gotta you gotta use your people resources.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, that's that's really what this is about. That's really what I want to experience is that or get people out to the experience that everybody at one point in their life has probably had some form of depression. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's just, it's very common. The thing is what makes it unique and is how long we sit with it. Mm -hmm. I mean, I have clients that have had it for years. And so we were talking a little bit about postpartum depression before the um, Shellyville started today. And that's kind of one that ends. Yeah. You know, that's a, there are depressions that are very situational and like season, seasons. Mm-hmm. They have seasons. I call them the seasons of depression. But chemical depression and a real depression can last through the seasons.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: So, I mean, sometimes you got to know kind of what depression it is that you're dealing with. That helps a lot to know whether or not you can help it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, because there are a lot of, there are, there is a big variety of depressions.
1: Yep. So one thing that I have personally experienced and I wanted to say this and again this is my opinion but um, and this this is probably not the case in all situations but I would venture to say in my uneducated opinion that it's the situation in most if you're if you have a loved one or a spouse that is dealing with depression and um the the one thing that's the tra- the trap that's really easy to fall into is thinking that it's your fault that mm-hmm. this person is depressed. So, and and
0: yeah, cuz we don't possible, make people depressed. <laughs> it's
1: possible that that could be the case in in a, like maybe in a marriage relationship if something's going really sideways like maybe that's possible. But more often than not, I would guess is It's not if if you're the person close to somebody with depression, it's not your fault. But it's so easy to think that it is that you start putting up walls to kind of shield yourself from that. And that makes the problem worse. So if you're if you're putting up walls, that's lowering that that that's bringing down that level of communication that you have with somebody that's close to you and creating kind of like this vicious cycle of isolationism
0: and that's why people stay in their bedrooms yep literally that is what that is my biggest because in my therapy i can't bring the whole family in sometimes i do mm-hmm. like sometimes i will bring in a lot of people in the in the room but a lot of times people come to therapy and they're so ashamed to talk bad about the people in their family because they know their siblings or they know their parent or they know their partner mm-hmm. wants to be loving and kind But they're so pissed Mm -hmm. like that person has no tolerance left for the person with depression just because of what you said, having that wall up. And that was beautifully said, Justin, because that is kind of what happens with relationships, too, is that. We as I see a lot of people think that they are responsible for other people's emotions, and we're not. Like that is the first thing I try mm-hmm. to teach people: we are not responsible for how other people think or act or behave. We are responsible for ourselves. Yeah. But when we're dealing with something very serious like depression, and it 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 just spreads out. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, it does affect everybody. It hurts everybody around you because we don't want to see people hurting. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's a big piece about depression and suicidal. I kind of feel sometimes that they're not related. And then sometimes I think they're very related.
1: Okay. Give me an example of something that you would see that you could like somebody who is having suicidal thoughts, but maybe depression isn't the, 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 the root of the problem.
0: Uh, personality disorders okay, and also bipolar disorders or schizophrenia or other more severe diagnosis. Um, and then I also think there is the borderline personality that is just, they don't want to be here. They're so afraid that they're going to get hurt. What's the purpose of being here anyways? Mm-hmm. So there there are, like when I had depression, I never wanted to hurt myself. I wanted to go on vacation. <laughs> I'm like, I'm out. Like mm-hmm. I just want to take off. But there are people that will have depression and never think of hurting themselves, never think of ending their life. That like that just never crosses their mind. So it's kind of sad to say that everybody who's suicidal is depressed because there's a lot of people with depression who would never want to hurt themselves.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And then there's a lot of people with depression who do. And so it's, it's really scary. And I think that's kind of why I say the untreated depression can lead to death, mm-hmm. I think it's the untreated depression that can lead to death, okay, because that person doesn't have anybody to talk to them. they're not getting a chemical help mm-hmm. they're not they're not getting that chemical piece, and they're not reaching out to people to let them know how bad they're doing. These are the comedians. I mean, look at how many people have committed suicide in the last. It's unbelievable. Of years. And they've been comedians. They've Robin, been people.
1: Robin Williams, Eps, um, yes. Uh, Anthony Bourdain oh. is is another. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, there's been a few. Um, and a then lot. there's
1: also there's also you could also make an argument that um, there's other people in the comedic world. Um, you you could call it suicide by proxy because of how poorly they took care of themselves mm-hmm. and how little they like. An an example one example that stands out is Ralphie May. Um, you know, grossly, grossly overweight, like 600 pounds, mm-hmm. you know, incredibly obese. Um, there's another one, uh, Patrice O'Neill. Um, I believe he died of a I, c- I could be wrong, but I believe he died of a, a heart condition um, that was, I-, I believe, due to malnutrition or um, I don't I don't want to speculate because I actually don't know the details <laughs> on that. But then like, okay. you know, musicians like rock ah. stars. You like people that you think have it all that are just so broken and empty Mm -hmm. on the inside. It's like the like in a comedian's uh, in a comedian sense. uh, There's a there's a there's a phrase. I think it's like the tears of the clown or something. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and my personality is based on hiding that depression. Mm-hmm. I'm all about my smiles. Like I am smiling and it's hard for me to stay like not smiling at the, as we're having this conversation mm-hmm. because that's a defense mechanism for me. I was trained to smile mm-hmm. through my pain. You put
1: on pain on that happy face.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it you just get so comfortable with smiling that I hide, like there's so much I've hidden in my life about my pain and that the pain I still continue to carry. And I don't want people to know. I don't It's not even shame. It is just like this wall, I built it and this is how it goes. This is who I am. I'm just hiding behind it. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're right. I think that's the biggest, mis, I guess, misused information we have about suicide is that Depression doesn't have to look like sadness. It doesn't have to look like you're crying. It is a hollowness. It is something that you carry on the inside that you yourself do not have the ability to fix by yourself. And that's what that, I want to get it out. Like, let's talk about communication. Let's talk about reaching out to people. I feel like we're the walking dead. Like how many times have you run into somebody and they're so blank? Mm -hmm. They're so like not there. Yeah, And I, I think that there's a lot more of us than we realize that are walking around with depression, so I think it's it's a big topic mm-hmm. it's there's a lot more people that either hide it are ashamed by it, avoid it, miss you know and then i I also think it kind of leads to a lot of addiction
1: mm-hmm. i mean because then you you know you try to hide it with substances, mm-hmm. and you know that's when. You know, you get in the bottle or you start yep. taking pills or something like that. Yep. And
0: Yeah, and it's like, I, I mean, I've i even been known to go and get like melatonin and take too much. <laughs> it's like, wait a minute, I just need to sleep or take some Benadryl when I really don't need it. I mean, there's times when you just need to escape. And, and I'm not saying that all of that is depression. I'm just saying that some of it, this is our coping skills. Some of it's our coping mechanism. That's just how we handle stress. So I think that there's... Serious depression out there. And then I also think there's the situational depression that, you know, something bad happened. There's also grief. There's just so many things that go into feeling like crap. And so we hear this word and it's just we're so afraid of it. And I don't really know why. Mm -hmm. I don't know why. I don't know why we judge so harshly people who don't feel good. Mm -hmm. Like that's just a generalization.
2: (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's a lack of I feel like it's just a lack of understanding, right? Mm -hmm.
0: It could be, and I think it's. A, I mean, like you said earlier, feeling guilty, like somehow, some way, you did something to make someone feel bad. How is that possible? Like mm-hmm. I have my own depression. How, how, you know, how are you gonna make me feel bad? Right. How, but I don't know why people think it's contagious. And then my biggest thing that I've gotten ever since I became a therapist was well, how can you do that? How can you do that job? How can, I mean, how can you sit and listen to people be depressed? Because it's not contagious. Yeah. <laughs> like It's literally not contagious, people. Depression is not contagious. Mm-hmm. And I can sit with people who have been depressed because one, I've been there, felt it myself, and have gotten through it. Maybe if I was still severely depressed, it would be a little bit harder for me. But actually, I think it's therapeutic to talk to someone who actually knows what it means to be depressed, Mm -hmm. you know, that knows what that feeling is, but um, it's not contagious. And yes, it's hard to sit as a therapist to listen to depressed stories day after day after day, but for a lot of times there's so much hope in my work and I do a lot of laugh therapy Mm -hmm. so (laughs) if we get through it and that's actually one of the things I I do recommend I tell people to go find your funniest movie and watch it a million times Mm -hmm. you watch it till you laugh again like literally, it's the same thing with anxiety exposure therapy. Depression is a lot like that too. You have to kind of push yourself back out into society. You have to push yourself back out into your life so that you start to like it again. And again, it's language. Like, I like this. This is okay. Mm-hmm. I like this again. I like you again. It's hard. It is really hard. But if we tell ourselves things are hard, then they stay hard. So we have to kind of change the language. And that's really what I want to put out there about depression. I think we kind of, oh, my favorite, though, I did want to talk a little bit about, do you ever watch Winnie the Pooh?
1: Yeah. Eeyore.
0: Eeyore. I love the Eeyore (laughs) story because Eeyore gets invited to the party. Mm -hmm. Like he doesn't, he's he's not expected to change. They they know he's not going to have a good time. He'll even wear a little party hat sometimes. But
1: have you heard the uh, the analogy about Winnie the Pooh that each one of the the characters in Winnie the Pooh um, represents a mental disorder I,
0: d- I know Tigger is. Um
1: ADHD, right? Right,
0: right. But what I can, I can never figure out who gonna, is he. I'm going to pull that up.
1: You keep talking. I'm going to pull Please that up.
0: Please pull it up because Winnie the Pooh is one of my favorites. But I mean, like there's Piglet and the Owl. And I mean, yeah, there's the whole group of them. And I have heard that many times. And we do use Eeyore a lot in therapy because he gets invited to the party and nobody expects him to be happy. And that's kind of what... This is all about just still getting invited to the party, still feeling like you're good enough, still feeling like you can be invited and have a good time, even though you might 100% be there. Um, You know, we get forced into acting like everything is okay. And there's times when you just have to do the acting there's times when you have to act like it's going to be okay. And then there's other times when you need to really sit with it and say, "You know what? Today's not a good day, and I'm just going to stay home, and I'm going to avoid my friends, and I'm not going to hurt myself, and everything's going to be okay." Yeah. So
1: I found the uh the Winnie the Pooh oh, references. I All right. Go. So, um Winnie the Pooh represents an eating disorder. Oh, Always dang hungry, it. always going after that honey. It's like hyper fixated <laughs> on it. Okay. Um, maybe he's yep. hypoglycemic and just needs the, the sugar or whatever. I don't know. Um, Piglet it has an anxiety disorder. We were right about Tigger, uh, Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. I think that might be like DSM, like one or something. (laughs) The Um, original. Yes. Eeyore, Major Depressive Disorder. And Rabbit, Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, OCD. (laughs) That makes perfect sense. Owl, Narcissistic Personality (sighs) Disorder. Okay. Um, And then Christopher Robin represents Schizophrenia because he created this whole world (laughs) in his in his mind. Of his stuffed animals and created (laughs) this whole world in the Hundred Acre Woods.
0: Yes. Oh, I love it. And you know what's so awesome about all of that is that they are classics. Everybody loves them. Mm -hmm. They're all part of our childhood. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, I mean, I I love that someone actually took the time to diagnose them and actually put that together because in some ways we've, We've dealt with this for so long. We don't even know what we're dealing with anymore. Mm -hmm. Like we're conditioned to it. We're absolutely conditioned to this disorder that we call it. But, um, you know, again, for me, it really goes back to having someone to talk to and feeling connected. Mm -hmm. That's really what I want it to be about today. And um, next episode, I'm actually going to talk a little bit about living with anxiety and depression together, because together... That's a different kind of ballpark.
1: It's a nasty cocktail. <laughs>
0: it's a nasty cocktail. And it, it, uh, it's a variety of people have it. So um, I just really thank you so much, everybody, for tuning into Shellyville. Again, if you want to reach me, you can reach me at shellyvillepod at gmail.com. I'm awesome at um, returning emails. I've gotten a few and I'm really so grateful to everybody for the positive feedback that my podcast is getting. If there's any kind of topics you want me to talk about, I know I'm a therapist, but um, I, it's my life experiences that brought me here. I do have a lot of life experience, not only just my book smarts, you know.
1: And I'll also add a note too. If you have something interesting that you want to talk about, um, we will have a conversation about maybe joining us and talking about that discussion with uh, Michelle, myself, and you. So, um, if that's something that interests you, uh, feel free to shoot Shelly an email, and we will uh, we'll have that conversation and see if it makes sense.
0: Sounds awesome! I can't wait. All right, thanks everybody. Have a great day.